I think um, community is, is, is really key. And it's not so much about having 2,000 people on Facebook who, who are your tick friends, right? It's about having meaningful connections with, realistically, you only need a handful of really meaningful connections, regular meaningful connections in your life to, to really tick this community box. But in this day and age, we don't achieve that. We work with people, we get frustrated with people we work with, we feel isolated from them. And often uh, when we feel upset rather than talking to someone, we go to our phone and we express it through our phone. Um, or, or, you know, it, it's a very different experience in the blue zones, in these communities. It's, it's very, um, I guess, nurturing in that sense. And it's very, in, it, everything is, is tangible in person. What is up, team? It is my absolute pleasure to introduce you to Kale Brock, also known as at Kale's Broccoli on Instagram. Kale is an Aussie who is a avid surfer, professional surfer, avid surfer, one of the two, it doesn't matter. Um, good surfer at that. Um, far better than me, that's for damn sure. But more importantly to this conversation, he is uh, he's actually uh, executive produced and created independently two films, uh, one called The Gut Movie and one called The Longevity Film. Uh, two incredible movies, um, documentaries rather, uh, just simply about human health and what our gut microbiome is and how it affects our health, how literally what we put in our body affects every part of our human experience, whether that's our mood, whether that's our physical appearance, whether that's our interaction with others, whether that's our mental health, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely incredible. And the longevity film where Kale goes and he explores different blue zones. And if you don't know what a blue zone is, it's where there's an abnormal amount of people that live to 100 plus very healthy lives. Um, so he goes and explores these areas and picks up patterns from the local people on how they live such an incredible long life. So very excited to have Kale on the podcast. Kale, thank you very much for coming on. All of the listeners, guys, you're going to get so much fucking value out of this. It's incredible. Um, please take your, your gut microbiome seriously. Um, please take your own health seriously. Please take responsibility for your own health. Um, what we put in us has a huge effect on everything in our human experience. And um, so if you want to learn more about the gut movie um, or the longevity film, we'll link everything in the show notes at uh, thinkspacepodcast.com slash Brock. Lots of love. Enjoy the podcast. You. The Think Space podcast is a home for the passionately curious. We aim to dig deep and learn as much as possible by connecting the right questions with the right people. So we bring in some of the best minds in the Pacific Northwest, regardless of their industry, to extract the most value from their stories and experiences. Yes, you're gonna get something from this episode, which is good. Or you could get something from every episode we release by subscribing on whichever platform you're listening on. You can find the full show notes at thinkspacepodcast.com or have the visual experience of this podcast over on YouTube. If you want to get looped into some exclusive content or private giveaways, join our mailing list. The link's in the description. Kale, thank you so much for joining me here on the Think Space Podcast. I really appreciate you uh, making the time all the way from Australia. Thank you for showing up. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me, Jossie. So, so first off, listen, people are going to see this and they're going to go, all right, Kale Brock, that's got to be a front. <laughs> and I know you've clarified before, but maybe you could just clarify one more time because it seems like the health expert having a name like Kale Brock, I don't know. 
I know it's a strange. It was a, it was a strange little uh, thing that happened. But no, my parents did call me Kale Brock. It's on my birth certificate. Um, this was before kale was trendy, though. This was what? when it was just it was an up and coming vegetable at that point. Um, so I mean, I mean, you don't have to. I'm not a pioneer or anything, Josh. But you know, well. I mean, your parents are most definitely. Yeah, I think so. But it's a, it's quite a cruciferous name because Brock is almost broccoli. Um, so I think that's why I've just sort of owned it and, uh, you know, adopted the Instagram handle at Kale's Broccoli. <laughs> nice, nice. Get a little Instagram plug in there. I love it. So, Kale, uh, what do you do? When I look at your social media, when I look at everything I find online, I see, okay, this guy's a filmmaker. This guy is a, jur- a journalist. and I don't want to call you a scientist, but like someone who's really gone down the rabbit holes, if you will. Um, also an incredible surfer, also a YouTuber. Like, what is your life? How, how, am I, how do I make sense of all this? What do you do day to day and where are your focuses these days? Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, very, it's been uh, quite colorful since I left school. When I, um, I'll go back to where I started. I really got into health and well-being when I was younger and it came about through actually uh, being, being challenged with a health condition. I was diagnosed with supraventricular tachycardia. So this is wow. um, SVT, so a, a heart condition that would see me experiencing quite intense arrhythmias of the heart. And these would often happen whilst I was playing footy, um, Australian rules football, or I was surfing. And this one time, it happened when I was um, surfing and I almost fainted out in the surf. Oh, my gosh. Not a great situation to, to be in. So I uh, went to the ca- the cardiologist and they hooked me up to a little ECG monitor. I went home with all the batteries and whatnot. I took great pleasure in showing all the girls at school like how that was all connected to my body and all that sort of stuff. And um, in the end, it came back. I I had this uh, funny uh, rhythm at certain times. So I would go into these episodes of arrhythmia. And um, they said, okay, we know what this is. This is called uh, SVT. The only thing that we can really offer you is called an ablation. And an ablation, uh, for those of you who don't know, is where they wanted to enter my heart through the groin or through um, under my arm and, and burn away the sinoatrial nodes. Sorry, so that- through <coughs> enter your heart through your groin? Yeah, through the groin or through the um, underarm, just like a keyhole surgery sort of thing with like a little soldering iron sort of thing. That is there's um, a little bit, that's to- a little bit ironic, I got to say. It's a little bit strange, and I said at that time, I said, "Why are we, why are we trying to destroy something that's not working? Why can't we fix it?" Uh, mm. It just didn't make sense to me. Uh, and they said, "Well, this is the only option we've got." And we actually knew someone, a family friend of ours, at that point, who had had the procedure done, but it hadn't worked. Um, so he would had it done like three or four times and he couldn't really exercise properly. And at that time I was like, well, I'm not stopping surfing. So I'm not going to go down that route. I was vegetarian. No. No I was 16. <laughs> I was like sitting across from this very knowledgeable cardiologist. And I was like, uh, what else have you got for me? Because that doesn't sound right. Um, and I went down a, a different route and long story short, I, ended up mentoring under a naturopath for about um, eight or nine years and she was a naturopath of of 40 years Um, and she taught me in a very short amount of time some really basic and fundamental health principles which helped me turn things around so within about six to 18 months I had turned that condition around and now managed it successfully just with diet lifestyle um, and, and a little bit of supplementation and that sort of opened up the door to the health realm 
um, and surfing and, and my sort of other uh, vocations just kind of kept plowing through my life's journey. I went on to become a TV reporter and then obviously a filmmaker mm. and, and obviously surfing is sort of taking over at the moment um, as I sort of transition away from looking at health and well-being so directly um, and perhaps accessing it um, more through surfing instead. This episode is brought to you by Self Hired. Self Hired, if you don't know, is a content studio that specializes in video production as well as photography and yes, podcast production. So if you are an individual or you are head of a company or a marketing manager or a content manager at a company that's thinking about one of the most powerful mediums in 2020 and want to start a podcast, uh, give the fellas over at Self Hired um, a call that you can reach them at selfhired.com um, or info at selfhired.com if you want to blast them an email. Thank you guys so much. And here's to the episode. Very interesting. I love it. I love it. I love it. Mm. So, what, let me just, let's break it down right down to the basics. So, <clears throat> naturopath, again, natural healing, again, lifestyle, exercise, what you're putting in your body, very, very holistic, very natural ways of, of approaching these things. What is, when we when we start to dig a little bit deeper, um, what is the gut microbiome for those that have no idea? And that just sounds like a scientific phrase. What is that? Yeah, the the gut microbiome is the makeup, the signature of different bacteria, viruses, parasites, protozoa, um, and yeast, which live on and inside of you. So the majority of our microbiome is situated in our digestive tract. You know, some uh, up to two kilograms worth of of microbes. And we, when we realize how uh, small these guys are and how little they weigh, that's actually quite a lot in terms of your genetic makeup they make up around 99 percent of the genetic material that we could find on and in your human body um, whereas we're only left with about one percent we're contributing so if we think about epigenetics we think about um you know how we our immune system our neurological system and our digestive system interact with these microbes they really are providing this fundamental framework for every single human experience that we have and and biological experience as well as outward experience too mm. um that they are that important so they they do everything from digesting food to um training the immune system to making important neurochemicals to affecting decision making um to to affecting uh rest and recovery and and all the different things that we're really interested in at the moment across the health sphere they are at the the very root of it so that was naturally my first starting point as a journalist and and moving into the health and well-being space because it was quite fresh back then we were talking before we started um recording about how i guess the microbiome the gut message is in its infancy over there in 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 canada Uh, whereas here it's sort of full steam ahead. And, and this was sort of back maybe four or five years ago. It was just kicking off, you know, and, and we had um, some incredible microbiologists and we had some um, gastroenterologists, you know, here, here doing some incredible work. Uh, and I was very lucky to access them and, and sort of be guided by them and mentored by them and, and get to interview them for uh, the gut movie, which was, which was pretty cool. It's such a fascinating field. And to be honest, the more I learned, the more I realized how little I knew and how much more there was to know. And how, mm. how I remember speaking with Professor Thomas Barodi uh, about this, the guy who pioneered fecal microbial transplantations. And he said, I said, how much do we know about the whole gut microbiome story? He said, less than 1%. Mm. 
Crazy. You know, so it's still a very early science, but it's it's the indications are there to suggest that it is of the utmost importance. And if we speak about now, like how relevant the immune system is now when we're, um, you know, being told to be scared of, of viruses and all these different things, then it is it should be at the forefront of the conversation. Absolutely. And it, it's like, it's incredible to me that it's not. Uh, and, and listen, if, if I'm having a bad day, <coughs> what the first thing I do is, okay, what did I eat? What did I consume? What did I put in my body? Did I sleep? Right? These types of things. Like just super, super basic. I want to change my mood. I change my inputs. It's very, very simple. Um, and I, I get that the science behind everything is just extensive and not researched yet. But like, when we think about it logically, this is one thing as I love about science is when we start to think about things logically, like our intuition is often right, right? Like we, are you putting in, you know, good organic natural foods, like eating a carrot with that's completely clean versus eating a carrot with a bit of dirt on it? One of those just feels better. And it turns out there's scientific repercussions, you know, uh, of eating a carrot with a little bit of dirt on it, you know, fresh from the garden. And that affects our, you know, our, um, our environments inside of us, which is just absolutely incredible. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm going too far. I'm going too far. So let's just bring it back for a second. So we have these, we have these little gut bacteria and they are the center of our genetic code. Like who would have known this is, this is crazy. 99%. And then there's 1% somewhere else. So like what I'm hearing is that what makes us, us, what makes me, me, if I could be so, I don't know, ignorant, um, would be the, the microbiome and, and how my body reacts to the, to the food in it. Is that kind of what you're getting at with the whole 99% of TNA is there? Yeah, if we looked at <clears throat> the amount of genetic material, so the DNA coding that was present in a, in a human being lying on a bed, uh, we would find that we would find uh, of that genetic material, of all the code, the DNA code that we would have to read, only 1% of it is human and 99% of it would be microbial. Now, if we extended that even further, there's a lot of people in um, the microbiology space who suggest that the mitochondria, the, the, the energy unit, the powerhouse of each human cell actually originated from a microbe itself and could almost be considered a microbe itself. Now, if we flip that on its head, then we're all bug. We're, we're totally bug. Um, so, so it does become a bit of an interesting um, thought experiment. Where did this all start and, and, and how much, how heavy of an influence does um, do, do the actions of these different microbes and they're not just bacteria that's a common mistake that a lot of people make it's bacteria, viruses, parasites, protozoa and yeast they make up this population of the microbiome and they are all interacting in this beautiful symphony of, of, of expansion and contraction you know you take out one slice of the pizza then the, the other ones will come and fill up that space it, it's very sort of codependent um, upon how we eat how we behave but if we, if we go back, like where does this start? How heavy of an influence does this have? It goes back to uh, um, pre-birth. It goes back to the womb. You know, where previously there was this thought um, <clears throat> that the womb is a very sterile environment, but it turns out that it's, it's not quite. There's actually microbes present in the amniotic fluid around the baby, the infant, before it's even born. And those microbes are going in and they're actually having an impact on how the baby develops. 
Presumably. And then, of course, we, we hear about this a lot, how the baby is born uh, has a drastic influence on the type of microbiome that baby will then go on to develop. So if we obviously undergo a C-section, our baby is going to have a very different microbiome uh, through a vaginal birth. And that's because mum's microbiome is, is pretty much flushed into the vaginal canal. And that's where the baby wants to pass through to pick up all these seedling microbes um, to actually get things started to seed its own microbiome because presumably if we if we sort of apply this in a natural primal setting mum is out in a typical uh, ge geographical area she's eating certain foods she's uh, combating certain viruses and her immune system and her microbiome would be a reflection of that so she's got great systems in place to suit that given ecology and nature, in, in its um, incredible wisdom, says, okay, well, we want to pass on that knowledge, that immune system knowledge to the child. Uh, so it does that through the vaginal birth. Now, of course, C-sections can be necessary as well. Um, you know, we do overdo them, statistically speaking. The World Health Organization, in Australia anyway, says that any, um, uh, any country with a C-section rate over about 12% is overdoing it because there's no corresponding benefit after 12% in, in life expectancy or infant survivability at birth. Um, so it, we have to consider then what are the implications of that and how can we counteract that? And that's where I guess the process called seeding is starting to become a lot more popular where the vaginal fluid is, is sort of soaked up in a bit of a cloth and that's wiped over baby, put in its mouth and, and we're sort of re-mimicking that process if wow. we can. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of thought and consideration given to the microbiome in those early years and typically the infant's microbiome will fluctuate quite um, drastically for the first three years of life. It's only until the, uh, it's only when they start really finding a more consistent dietary pattern um, and, and reach that age that their microbiome tends to become a little bit more set. So mm. <clears throat> that can be beneficial in certain ways because um, if you're trying to change a child's microbiome, perhaps they've got some neurodevelopmental issues and we can go into this as uh, you saw in the gut movie with Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. Mm -hmm. You could change the microbiome very rapidly in those first few years of life just by tweaking the diet, tweaking the, the chemicals present and, and the environment in general. Um, after that, it becomes a lot more harder. And that's why we as adults tend to have you know a little bit of uh, a challenge with, with changing things in our health. You know, It can take us three to six months to, to six years to really get those big impacts um, big impact changes to our health and well-being but in those kids you can you can get it really early to the point where um, someone like dr natasha campbell mcbride who's a neurologist out of russia but lives in the uk um, is regularly reversing autistic like behavior and autism in these children in these young children if, if they um, work with her uh, program early enough so mm -hmm. it, it's a pretty fascinating thing with huge implications as to how we um, actually engage with each other and the world. Because when, when I think about it, I think about it as a microcosm of what's going on out here. I'm looking out at the trees, the soil. The soil is the Earth's microbiome, you know. Mm. And, and when we destroy the soil, we destroy the plants and they destroy and they obviously can't nourish us properly. So it's this, it's this very, um, I guess... Uh, there's a lot of crossover between what happens in ecologically out in, in the world and what happens in our gut. And I, I truly think that 
um, how we are currently treating the world is, is quite an apt reflection of, of how we're treating our microbiomes. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other discussion in itself. But um, I love what you said there, the, how the, the dirt is really the Earth's microbiome. That's incredible, right? Um, so it seems like there's... Um, when we look at nature, there's a harmony, right? When we, when we look at larger eco ecosystems, everything is affecting everything else and everything plays off of each other. It's developed that way for thousands and tens of thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years. This is very beautiful in, in nature. And it seems as if, wow, we've developed to this place where we're very unnatural in how we live. And that's causing these things like autism and it's causing these things like cancer. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know, for instance, just the simple fact that we all have cancerous cells in our bodies and, and whether or not our body is able to consistently fight them is going to be the determinant of whether we get cancer or not. So it's kind of when you reframe it that way and go, well, we're actually born with this thing. It's our job to keep healthy, right? It's our job to, you know, maintain that immune system and maintain, you know, um, cells that will run that self-destruct mechanism and all these different types of things. When we reframe it that way and we kind of take responsibility on um, ourselves for our own health and for the world around us and we really acknowledge the interconnectivity of everything, I think we're able to push a lot further. And I think that's a lot of kind of what you've what you've done in, in, in your films, you know, whether that's the longevity film or the gut movie, it's, it's very, very apparent that I think that's key to your message. And, and I have to applaud that. Um, but I guess the question that I would have for you is I look at all these things and, and, and we can draw different conclusions from different papers and different points of view and different people that are very studied like yourself on the topic. When I look at myself as someone who lives in a city, lives in Vancouver, you know, in, in North America, and we're both, we all live in Western cities I look at it and I go, well, what's the problem? How, how do we do this right? Um, I'm from a very small island originally. You know, I, I was a home birth. Um, you know, I, I, I was nursed until I was, you know, a, 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 an older infant. And, and I look at that and I go, okay, like I think there's some elements of doing it right there. And I look at myself as, as a young adult and I go, hmm, I don't know how to treat my gut microbiome in a way that's responsible in a way that is most healthy. I don't know what I'm doing wrong here. So to really actually give you a real question is, what do you think the problem is when it pertains to how we treat our uh, gut microbiome? I think it's, a, it's, it's all to do with expectations. We have unrealistic expectations of our microbiome because we expect that it'll do... Um, it, there's no right or wrong here. It's only we expect it to do the desirable thing for us in response to um, incorrect stimuli. That's like uh, <clears throat> it's like trying to expect grass to grow by pouring um, by weeing on the grass by pouring urine on the grass. It doesn't happen. What it. happens is <laughs> you get a big yellow patch of of grass. It, it doesn't grow. Right. So this is this is what we're doing to to our microbiome it will react accordingly to the stimuli that you give it so if you apply a whole foods diet that it comes from healthy soils comes from <clears throat> soils that are also rich microbially perhaps you're adding in fermented foods perhaps you're just just consuming a whole foods diet that is very varied and colorful then you can expect your microbiome to reflect that quite accurately and say, hey, okay, 
Well, we'll give you lots of butyrate, which happens to be anti-inflammatory and anti-cancerous. And we'll work on the immune system. We'll, we'll speak with the immune system and turn off inflammatory pathways <clears throat> and protect the, the gut uh, epithelium, the gut lining. To expect it to do anything different is 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 unscientific for a start, but it's it's also a little bit, it's also um it's it's ludicrous, it's insanity right. because it just it responds and reacts to what we give it, and and it's not just diet, it's how we think, it's how we move, the environment we're exposed to, and all those sorts of things. If we look at what is wrong with, I guess, a more domesticated form of living as human beings, and you could argue whether that is just another stage of, of evolution or, or, or whatever. But what is inherently difficult about that situation in the microbiome is the lack of diversity. We are not exposed to the same number of bacteria and the same uh, variety of bacteria. Um, I say bacteria generally, I mean microbes, mm -hmm. um, that we used to. Uh, be exposed to. So <clears throat> when we walked through um, the forest, you know, back in, I guess, more primal days, or you can do this now, this is why I think surfing is such a good thing for the microbiome. You're exposed to the ocean, which tends to carry a lot of um, microbes as well. I think uh, it, it gives us an immune boost, uh, not only mentally, but also it gives us, if you will, this form of microbial immunization um, that is very specific. It's, it's geogra geographically specific and dependent. So <clears throat> the best example of this is in the, the Yanomami tribe in, in the Amazon. They consume a certain um, a truckload of carbohydrates, right? Which we, like in, in this day and age, we'd be like, well, Demonized, they're not keto. Yeah. They, must, they must die early, right? <laughs> they must have diabetes, they, all this sort of different thing. But what happens is that this tribe actually have a parasite in their digestive tract, pretty much all of the tribe um, have this specific parasite specific to the area, which is passed on generationally um, throughout the generations, which helps them digest that excessive load of carbohydrates. Um, that's just one example. That there are, you know, we could talk about H. pylori. Um, Martin, oh, I think I'm going to get his name wrong, but there's a, a professor at NYU who was studying H. pylori and the fact that we we slew ourselves with so many antibiotics for so many years that we actually wiped out H. pylori from the human digestive tract pretty much because we thought it was responsible for stomach ulcers and it mm. is but only in really high doses. Now if we manage its numbers through <coughs> suppressing it with probiotic bacteria then it actually becomes a well-functioning and beneficial microbe that shuts off um, excessive hun hunger and, and can also contribute to, to proper immunity. So that's the way we have to look at it. That instead of saying, this is good, this is bad, we actually need to go, well, hey, what sort of results do we want? Um, we can actually tweak what we're doing to get that desired outcome. We just have to be perhaps a little bit more strategic and specific. But regardless of what you do, the microbiome will react accordingly. Got it. Yeah, totally. It makes it makes so much sense. I love when you say um, domesticated humans and you go, well, let's not call one thing wrong and one thing right. I'm like, well, domesticated humans sounds wrong to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we'll leave it at that. Um, so why why is it, um, you know, for instance, when this conversation starts to come up with people, they kind of go, oh, yeah, 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 it's important. It's important. It's important. But, but it, doesn't, it doesn't register. Like one of my, um, I guess, qualms with how 
um, you know, the international community maybe and, and um, uh, just public figures in general that are kind of aware of these type of things is ha have handled this information in this research is that they've kind of taken the approach of, um, I know it's important, but my my lifestyle and my diet and the actual actions that would I would I would take to show the importance of it that I would actually go through and 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 really put my best foot forward in trying to fix um, or um, I would say um, encourage a optimize. more healthy yeah optimize yeah thank you um, optimize your your gut they don't take those steps so how is it for you as as a researcher as a journalist as a filmmaker how do you help spread the importance of your gut microbiome because i can sit here and say to a person beside me hey this is it's everything <laughs> it's quite literally everything and they go yeah i know and and the, the the importance won't land how do you make that importance land with people yeah <clears throat> it's the age-old question really um and often <laughs> sadly it takes the it takes the death of a loved one it takes the diagnosis of a serious condition like me i wouldn't have taken my health and well-being seriously and connected it to food and lifestyle and started looking at the microbiome if it wasn't for my heart condition when i was 16 i was blessed enough to actually get it at 16 very early right you know um so so i think it's difficult we have i, I think it's very clear that we've lost touch with an innate and um, biologically appropriate way of living. Um, wow, biologically need... appropriate way of living. That, my <laughs> friend, is a quote and a half. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think, I think <clears throat> you know, we've moved well past that. So it, it's about now, um, and, and myself included, you know, I live in, I live in a house. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm for in part, domesticated, you know. It's very hard to domesticate surfers, by the way, but um, in, in part, I'm somewhat domesticated uh, and, and I don't particularly have the inclination to go out and rewild myself, you know, and, and, and go hunting uh, regularly for all my food and, and grow all of my food. I think growing food is, is excellent, but there's no way right now, given my current lifestyle and my priorities, which are more creative, um, <clears throat> that I could effectively rewild myself. So it's like, how do I then create a balm or create a framework to prop up um, some optimal biology? So if we talk about you know the microbiome, then it's just committing to uh, as much of an organic uh, approach as possible because I want my soil to be good because that's going to affect the microbial and then the nutritional composition of the food. And I also uh, want to commit to a colorful and broad range of food. So if I go, um, and again, this is what we see in, in, in sort of new age health and well-being, if I say I'm going to restrict uh, a macronutrient group, let's say I'm going to eliminate totally all carbohydrates, then my microbiome is going to go in a certain direction. You could argue all day whether that's good or bad. It comes down to the individual really and how much damage they've done in the past and, and, and their goals and all that sort of stuff. But if I, for me, I want a broad, diverse microbiome, which means I need to have a broad, diverse plate of food uh, throughout okay. the day. And I choose to get that from... The whole foods realm so i like to work within the whole foods realm and then anything outside of that i know is going to have a generally a detrimental impact on the microbiome so if we start going towards you know your processed foods or even your 
you're more like your, your health foods or health alternatives like your erythritols and xylitols and all these sugar alcohols and stevia alcohols and all these different replacements and stuff. They generally hurt the microbiome in that they reduce diversity and kill off certain good species. Um, that's why people get gassy and whatnot after, after having those things. So mm. I like to stick to a natural sort of approach. What is, again, biologically appropriate. Um, and, and for me, that's whole foods as organic as possible. Uh, <clears throat> with a wide variety of colors and, and flavors and from all different kingdoms. Some a little, lots of plants for me, um, some animals uh, and, and some, some mushrooms. And, and then, um, I think that's about it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. How do you tell if your microbiome has been damaged? Because listeners are listening to this right now and go, okay, great. But where am I? Where am I on the spectrum? How do I know? What are some of the side effects like? One of my things is I think that most humans kind of always operate on an average, in a generalistic term, average, at, you know, maybe operating at 60% and don't really know what 100% feels like. Um, and so for someone listening to this, go, okay, well, great. There's this microbiome thing. It's really important. It affects everything. And I need to eat whole foods um, to, you know, diverse whole foods to encourage it and cultivate it more. But how do I know where I'm at? I think if you haven't had to think about your microbiome, you're probably doing pretty well. That that's mm. a good that's a good um, sort of uh, yardstick to to put out there. If you have any sort of health condition, <clears throat> then you need to at least consider your microbiome. There there are of course going to be health conditions that are um, have their origins in your in your um, environment, in your um, stress levels, in all these different things. But most uh, health conditions have at their at their root at least one uh, fundamental part um, in the microbiome. So so we do need to to consider that. Uh, again, that that can be a, it can be a, a long lasting mental health condition such as depression. Um, it could be anxiety. It could be allergies it could be asthma it could be um right. eczema you know it, it could be psoriasis it's a whole bunch of, it's a slew of different health conditions which are all sort of tied back to the microbiome so again if you don't have to worry about your health too much and and you feel pretty good and you generally don't really think about um anything to do with your health and well-being you're probably actually doing pretty well mm. but if you've been forced to take a pause which a lot of us um are forced to especially as we approach you know um i guess i'm approaching 30 but then the, as My you start to approach 40 50 and all, all the rest of it um that's when you start you know you get the you get the numbers and you get the call to actually say hey pause and reflect what are you mm. doing ideally we, we don't get to that point but for a lot of people we distract ourselves with busyness um or, or a lack of priorities as i wow. like to call it but wow. which i fall into as well a wow. lot of the time um uh <laughs> that we we only get that knock on the door uh, quite late so i guess if you've had to <clears throat> if you've ever had to think about your health and well-being then it's it's definitely a good time to at least sort of assess where your microbiome's at and how do you do that first thing the cheapest way to do it is to look at your poo um, and, and you Great. don't need to look too close. We all but do. You can just turn around and look at the quality of your poo. Like, are you doing good poos, or are, are they inconsistent? Are they are they what's terrible a good quality? Poo? Does it look like someone is? Uh, what's a good poo exactly? Well, if it looks like someone has attacked to the toilet bowl, 
um, it, it, then it's probably not a good poo. If it looks like it's, you know, a soft, loamy, nice poo, it felt good, you know, you release some endorphins when you do a good poo, um, then, then, then that's great. And, the, and those are the majority of the poos that you do, you're probably doing pretty well. Mm. Um, now, if you've got some underlying stuff going on, like, hey, I went to a lot of people in Australia, I went to Bali, I came back, and I've never been the same since digestively. I felt off. It turns out a lot of these people get a parasite over there. So they need to have it checked and um, they, can, they can do a microbiome test for that where they send off their poo to an, a lab, a microbiologist who will, who will look at it or a molecular geneticist like the lady I worked with in the gut movie um, to look at what's there and see what's going on in the microbiome. So they might need to take a, a herbal sort of antiparasitic approach or, or depending on who they see, they might have an antibiotic or something like that. Um, so there's a whole different sort of multi-pronged direction that you can take. But where to start? It's, it's on your plate because your microbiome changes very rapidly. It will change within the space of 24 to 48 hours. So if you send off your test and you know you're sending off your test in a week and you go, shit, I need to be healthy for the next week because I don't want it to come back saying bad things, then you're going to skew that test. And then once it comes back healthy, you go, oh, all the um, sweets. I'm going to get back on the beers and the Mars bars and the burgers and all these different things. So um, (laughs) what we need to think about is long term. This is a long term game. What you do, I would would sooner, uh, I would rather you be 80% perfect for the rest of your life as opposed to 100% perfect for 12 weeks when it comes to the Mm. microbiome. This is incredibly important to think about. It's a long term game. It constantly adapts. You can't just fix it and then let it go and it'll be fine. You've got to constantly nourish it, protect it, look after it, um, and in return, it will serve you well. Got it. Okay. So if there's a pre-existing health condition, you should check your microbiome out because it's probably a part of the puzzle, if not the issue itself. And a lot of us don't get that opportunity to or don't get forced to reorganize our priorities because, you know, we don't have the health scare. Now, with us and a lot of our audience, like, they're go-getters, you know? They're people that are very proactive in nature. They're people that are like, okay, um, I, want, like, I, don't, I don't have a health scare. I have not had a health scare. But I want to be proactive. I want to live to 100, 150, or whatever it may be. I want to do everything I can in my 20s, 30s, 40s to make sure that I have a healthy uh, gut microbiome or just healthy body in general. So in that situation, what are... What are some of the tells, for instance, that we say, okay, I'm living okay, you know, my, my mind and my body are okay, and I, and I think they're generally doing pretty good. I've never even considered this thing called the microbiome, and I want to check in on it. Are there any, like, just basic indicators that can help us figure out if we're on the right track, kind of? Yeah, I think, as I said... Besides uh, healthy uh, poo, che- sorry. Yeah, I mean, checking, checking out the poos is, is always a good start. Um, nice. And then just how you feel. How, how do you feel? Like, uh, do, do you feel a 10 out of 10 every day? Um, you know, or, or do you feel uh, do you feel a 10 out of 10 up until about 11 o'clock in the morning and then it's just a gradual decline for the rest of the day? Um, yeah. that, that could also be what you're choosing to eat for breakfast. But, you know, it, it could be a, bun- a bunch of different um, indicators, signs that, that will show um, how your microbiome is doing. And, and a lot of it has to do with thought process and what goes on mentally as well. I know that um, there was a study done that showed when they implanted a certain parasite in a mouse from a cat. So they took a, a typically a feline parasite, right? 
and they implanted it into a mouse, which is, is typically rather afraid of a cat. And what happened was the parasite actually flipped the, mouse's, the mice's behavior, and thus the, the, the mice then became affectionate towards the cats in this study. So there's what? drastic changes in, in, um, in uh, thought process and decision-making, oh right? Oh, my God. Huge implications. Uh, it should be spoken about quite a lot. You know, imagine if all our politicians had uh, excellent microbiomes going into work every single day. What a change we would see. So, um, you know, it, it really does have far-reaching implications and there are numerous, numerous warning signs that we can pick up on. But largely, I would say, neurological system, immune system, and digestive system. In those areas, yeah. are you dealing with anything? If so, look at the microbiome. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, the activist in me just has to ask where it's like, okay, great. Kale, we have this knowledge. You and your, your team and your crew and your fanship, they have this knowledge. You've bestowed it upon them. Incredible. Now, <laughs> we have the bigger problem, which is how do we affect societal change? Mm -hmm. How do we actually get the world acting and feeling better with a healthy internal system? What needs to happen in order for that to, to occur, in order for us to maybe take a step back from how domesticated we've been? How, how do we do that? Oh, I mean, it's a big question. And I think, honestly, it comes down to conversations. Um, you know, I think that the more that we can get people aware and then talking about things such as the microbiome and, and such as um, <clears throat> the very basics of human health, such as, you know, movement, community, uh, nutrition and mindset, yeah, when we can get these conversations happening, then a change will occur because it really, I think, does come down to an awareness. I mean, it's easy to sit here and chat with someone who's well-versed in health and well-being, but if you and I went into certain parts of Australia, certain parts of Sydney even, and certain parts of, I'm sure, Canada, people yeah. are not having these same conversations. No, it's sir. not... No way. It, it, it's well off the table. And this would sound like woo-woo, conspiracy theory. Who are yep. you? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, so it's really, it's, it's making this, it's making well-being and it's ma making, um, it's creating a new normal. Right mm. now it's normal for, in Australia, for 50% of our children to have a, a chronic health condition. It's, in, right now it's normal Incredible. for 99% of the Aussie kids in this country um, to not eat the government-recommended amount of, of uh, vegetables daily. 99%. This is a government-funded study. What so we heck? need to change... We, exactly. We need to change those norms because right now we have a direct correlation between our actions and the results that we're getting. Right now, the results that we're getting are pretty average. People are dying early. They're, they're spending their last 10 years on this planet bouncing in and out of doctor's offices and, and hospitals. And generally, it's just not a good thing. It's a, the no. blurred line between whether they're dying from an illness or the medications that they're being given. It's absolutely crazy. So if we can um, get these conversations happening, remove the taboo around you know criticizing science. By the way, when science is no longer um, able to be criticized, it's no longer science. It's religion. Okay, we mm. need to have these discussions. Um, so I think that those are the biggest hurdles. And unfortunately, we have vested interests in place to keep the status quo. We know that big pharmaceutical companies influence legislation and political decisions at a, at a, at a federal level, at a global level. We know that. It's very obvious, especially during this time. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's very important for us to actually break apart those um, systems, those conglomerates um, by talking about it. 
uh, and not being scared to talk about it. I can't believe how passive uh, the population has been during this during this time. Um, so I really think that we need to, you know, build up that fire again and, and become more active and become more expressive and, and really speak our thoughts without fear of uh, being judged or, or, or criticized and actually being open to dissertation back and forth over opposing beliefs without going, well, you disagree with me, so I hate you. Um, it really has to be uh, just a mature approach, but I think that is idealistic in, in a way. How does that happen in the real world? Um, I think it happens through 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 just discussions conversations and and more of them occurring right right now it's shifting i can see it shifting there's been a big backlash i think from um this whole coronavirus saga on on the big on the big influences Mm -hmm. uh of the world who are trying to achieve certain things out of this and um i think it's been really cool to see and i know like even in the surfing space um at the top echelon of this sport people are talking about this stuff and that's happening across the, the across the um, various industries of the world, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So if we can really encourage that and, and foment that, I think that'll be fantastic. Yeah, ferment that. I, I absolutely love that. I mean, but I mean, what you're saying, I mean, like you know, 99% of kids not eating, you know, enough, you know, government recommended vegetables, and who cares who recommended? It? It's, it's just like <laughs> eat, eat plants, man. Um, yeah. you know, or 50% of kids, you know, dealing with a serious health condition. That's, in, that's insane. And it's, it's so, it's so devastating, especially for us in Canada, because we look at you Aussies and we're like, they got it figured out. That's Narnia over there. They're like, <laughs> we, <laughs> we're like, come on, how could anything wrong be happening over there? Um, mm-hmm. anyways, but it's, uh, it leads me to my next question, which is around exactly that is around the coronavirus. And I know a lot of people have had a lot of different, um, you know, conversations and opinions on this. And, um, you know, I have a, I have a view on it that is probably similar to yours is maybe I could guess, but I'll hold my view for a second and, and ask you, you know, how have you as a, as a man in your position, um, that's entrenched in health, you know, directly or indirectly, how have you taken in, um, what the coronavirus is and how it's going to change our society moving forward? Um, as I said, I that think was it's a big so sigh. Dirt. That was a big sigh right there, sir. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling very frustrated. I'm feeling very frustrated at the moment. So next week, I was meant to go. I've been invited to go back to the wave pool in Melbourne to shoot a video. I don't know if, how um, abreast of Australian uh, the Australian situation you are, but they've just shut down the entire state of Victoria yep. because there's been, I think, um, 200 or 300 new cases or something like that. Maybe it's in thousands or something. This is after, by the way, they've forced tested people by getting the army to come in and knock on people's doors and force um test them for for a virus that naturally spreads this is what viruses do this is why we say i want my posts on instagram to go viral because they spread right like wildfire so it's a, exactly so this is a very real virus for, for sure but um if we look at the actual t- statistics and we look at the the mortality rates um if i'm being if i'm being very uh frank they're very low uh, and, and they've been totally blown out the water for a long time. And the estimates that we've um, been given have been just incredibly wrong. So um, I, I think there is an agenda here. And, and, and I think that's coming from a certain, um, certain I guess, a section of the elite, if we want to call that. And without going too esoteric and conspiracy theory, if we Amen. want to name those I'm people. I'm already there. It's cool. Do you? 
<laughs> they are right there in the in the in the headlines. I mean, for all to see with their smiling little spectacles and their, and their little um, fingers in all the pies and, and their patents on certain things that they want to force on on everybody in the world. That is what the elite wants us to move towards: is this sort of society where they have a lot more control over us. I mean, think about it. We pretty much lay down and allowed our governments to put us on house arrest. Um, as healthy people to protect potentially um, a, a few deaths. When have they ever cared about the health of the elderly before? Because if that was the case, they would totally revamp and restructure nutrition programs in old people's homes. They would mm. give them jobs to do. They would uh, cure. They would never let them retire, but they would let them transition into important, fulfilling, meaningful types of work because we know that that is one of the most important things in keeping people healthy and alive and vibrant. So we know that's not the case. They do not care. This is not about preventing deaths. This is such a joke that they've even said that. Um, so I think it is, it is all about controlling and setting a very dangerous precedent on... Um, on how how much they can intervene in our lives, and I think it's it's very responsible of us as humans, if you are equally as outraged by this, uh, to stand up and say no, f off, <laughs> because we sometimes in our lives we need to do that. I'm not that sort of person. I want to be left alone and, and to go surfing and, and do my stuff, to do my creative stuff, you know. But unfortunately, right now, that's not happening. I'm having to actually stand up and fight for my rights, which is. I thought, you know, these times were over, you know, mm. and our generations past had done this for us. Um, but it turns out we're probably going to have to take some of that shoulder, some of that responsibility and do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's incredible how it's been mismarketed and the messaging has just been so construed um, in terms of the importance, right? I mean, I tell you, actually, uh, what is it now? Maybe two weeks ago. I um I was out and about and I saw a I saw a man with a mask and I saw a man with that man in a park I was thinking I was going for a run and uh, and he he pulled the mask down to take a smoke and then he <laughs> put the mask back up and me being the precarious little shit that I am um, I, I pulled up my phone and I took a video <laughs> and Good he got you. very mad <laughs> and 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 so. You know, I tried to de-escalate the situation. He said, "Delete the, delete the video." Da 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 da. And I was just like, okay, uh, "You know, I respect your privacy, but do you understand like how atrocious and ironic what you're doing is? Like you're you're in a park with a mask while smoking a cigarette. Like, do we not understand this is about our immune system? This is about like keeping generally healthy. Like, it. W I have had from the start this very like." How I've fought this, me personally, is just like tripling down on my immunity, right? That's, that's it. Like, I haven't disrupted my, this is not a popular opinion, but like, I have not disrupted my life at all. Good. Not even Neither. a tiny bit. Um, you know, and, and I have no shame in, in saying that. Like, I just, I, I've done everything I can to try to educate people around me. And one of the things, Kale, that I just always makes my kind of alert go off is that whenever I see anything like this really, pushed from fear, driven by fear. This is very, this is very, this is fear mongering at its best. And, and I think that we can fight fear mongering with hope. I think that we can fight fear mongering with education. Um, and that's part of the big reason why I think having you on the podcast right now is so paramount because it's literally, that is the true antibody. This is actually the true cur uh, cure 
is to double down on your own systems. Even if you know, even if you don't know that it's been broken, even if the status quo is broken, even if the status quo is not vibrant and immune, how can we, you know, take that and educate our people so they can be healthier and they can stand up to a government or stand up to a military or stand up to whoever and go, hey, I'm good and I don't need to, to shelter in place. Um, what I need to do is, is help others and help educate others so we can live more vibrant lives. But as soon as anything comes from fear, I'm good. <laughs> I typically question that a little bit. Yeah, and I would agree. And it's it's been amazing how... <clears throat> how uh, looking at it objectively how well orchestrated this has been across the world um and, yeah. and how far reaching uh these certain individuals these certain families these certain groups um are uh you know and and it's a there's a big war going on and it but it's being waged secretly you know and and one side is misinformation and 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 facebook fake news um, and the other side is is government edicts, you know. And and I think it was Richard Nixon who said the 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 scariest thing um, that you can hear is uh, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Um, <laughs> I, and I think this particular time has been very reflective of of that sentiment. Spoken like a true capitalist. Love <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I um I agree. I agree. It's just we're. I'm uh, not to get too political, but it's just I, I when I'm when I, my immediate family, I am God near a Marxist, you know, like I believe in equal distribution and my in my tribe, you know, I'm I'm a socialist and, and with my town, I'm a socialist. And as I go further and further out, I become more of a capitalist. Right. And I think that that's kind of how we should organize our our societies. And, and I, I'm not the person to even know. Um, and I'm not the person. I think Michael Pollan says that, doesn't he? He says, yeah, like, in yeah. your community, be a socialist and be. I think that's brilliant. I think it's absolutely incredible. Um, I'm glad that you remembered who that was from because I sure didn't. Um, but uh, <laughs> I but think I think it's that's. Him. I think. I, I, yeah, Michael Pollan has a lot of good, a lot of good uh, quotes. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll give it to him. He deserves it anyways. <laughs> um, so so I absolutely hear you. I absolutely have you there. Um, I'd be really curious to to know from your perspective, how do you think this time um, with the shelter in place, with our lack of diversity, with our lack of exposure to different bacteria, our lack of exposure to good foods, how, how do you think this is going to affect the health of our population? Well, I mean, we've already seen the implications of it with um, uh diagnosis of, of mental health conditions is skyrocketing during this time. Which is when you take away people's purpose, when you take away their community, when you take away their movement, when you take away their mindset, um, it's it's just what do you expect? That those are fundamental pillars of human health that we need to appreciate. Um, to take them away in <clears throat> I guess in with the excuse that you're taking them away to protect them from a virus. Uh, to protect their health and well-being, it, it's it's rather bizarre. So I think the implications will be far-reaching, and they'll be <clears throat> spread over time. You know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was sharing the other day some stuff on his Instagram talking about unemployment, and and it, it, for you know in America that is for every one percent that the unemployment rate goes up, they can expect forty-four thousand people to die. Okay. Um, so during 
during this time, like, uh, how much has the unemployment rate gone up? Like, how many more people are dying from a result of... 25% in some places. It's insane. Exactly. So, so insane amounts of people um, perishing from, again, a a preventable uh, list of uh, factors in the the name of of something else. So, um, yeah, I think it is going to be far-reaching. And, again... As much as it's easy to just blame the government, I think now more than ever we need to take responsibility uh, mm. for those things. It's like, okay, if I'm not allowed to travel to Melbourne next week to go to the wave pool, it's like, okay, in perspective, not that bad. That's okay. I can go eventually again. Um, so what do I do then? You know, you know, to, to uh, acknowledge and, and look after that um, factor, which is probably, you know, surfing, movement, creative, blah, blah, blah. I can do that at home. I can replace that. I can substitute that. So it's really about getting a little bit creative with your own lifestyle and starting to prop up those areas that have been currently impacted by the, the, the given situation um, and and really looking after yourself. A good thing that's come out of this, I think, is, is how um, it's almost been like that trigger that we talked about before when right. people get that diagnosis, right? It's like, okay, no, you've got to pause and reflect. What makes you happy? What makes you healthy? Like, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you spending five or six days at the office a week when your family's at home? You know, and that's not a bad or, or good thing. Again, it comes down to your priorities and what you want to achieve. So I think this pause and reflect time has actually been pretty beneficial. Yeah, forced forced reflection, right? I mean, we're, we're yeah. very, very distracted. And I think that is plays into you know our health and our longevity as well which which actually brings me to my next point which is i'm very curious in how yeah sure coronavirus uh, um and yeah sure the the gut microbiome and and yeah sure these other things but i'm very curious how we on a on a broad base with these new um threats and this and the new information you know uh from the health perspective and these new threats from i guess a health health perspective as well how that's maybe changing how we're thinking about longevity which i know is another thing that another area another topic that you've dedicated a lot of your life to how how are these two things the advancement in health and now the advancement in a global pandemic really uh playing into and factoring into this concept of longevity yeah, this comes from, I guess, my work looking at the, the Blue Zones, which, which um, can be attributed to National Geographic and, and the Blue Zone Project. Um, so they were looking at, they basically found five hotspots around the world with a high concentration of centenarians and a very low concentration of dis-ease. Um, so I was lucky enough for my film, the longevity film, to go and visit um, Ikaria in Greece, Loma Linda in California, which is a Seventh-day Adventist community, which is bizarre, Just right? crazy and, still. Um, Can't believe it's that. It's crazy. <laughs> and Okinawa in Japan. Uh, so I was, I was able to go and visit these people to see what they're doing for health and well-being and, you know, going into it with that typically a more micro mindset when i was um doing the 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 gut movie it was all micro right like microscope microbiome what what are we looking at um but actually having being forced to zoom out a lot uh for the longevity film and look at what these cultures are doing more broadly more fundamentally and we sort of isolated that into into four main things that it's the nutrition it's the movement it's the community and it's the mindset those things are really um at the root uh, provide those 
pillars that we base the, the rest of our health and well-being on if we if we um it's almost like the microbiome you know those essential elements of what makes up a i guess a desirable or optimum human human experience and that is you know aging up until you know 95 to 100 and then dying in your sleep without getting sick um <clears throat> i think that's pretty desirable for, for most people so that's what a lot of these um uh, communities were achieving and uh yeah it was it was a pretty incredible experience so i think again looking at how the current situation has impacted us are we sacrificing those pillars in order to prop up another or do we just actually come back and um look at things zoom out again uh and, and take stock of of uh where our life is at in those different areas and and try to actually balance them out because there's no point sitting alone in the corner, drinking your green smoothie, being upset, never exercising and having a, a shitty attitude whilst your friends are over at the bar having a beer, but they exercise every day, they communicate with each other and they um, eat great food. You know, it, right. it's like we need to actually um, look at this realistically and, and mm. with a grain of salt. These people aren't fasting. <clears throat> they might every now and then. These people aren't. And, and again, I'm not disregarding these interventions. They work very well. They're not fasting regularly. They're not keto. They're not paleo. They're not vegan. They just eat this whole foods natural sort of diet. They have work that they consider very important and they do a lot of it. They don't just sit around all day doing nothing. They converse with each other. They have strong family ties. They have strong community ties. Um, and, and they just uh, really live a very happy and blissful existence. And this can be Incredible. achieved in the, in, the middle of, in the middle of California, um, of all places. It's, it's pretty incredible. So you said, um, just to reiterate, um, through watching your film, uh, you said that the, the pillars are uh, nutrition, community, um, your mental state, and activity, was it? Uh, community, nutrition, movement, and mindset worded far better than I did. Um, so, so within those, within those pillars, like w what do you see the most under attack, like under attack right now as we're all, mm. you know, probably working from home and we're not getting out and, and, uh, most of us aren't farming and most of us aren't going out to, um, you know, multiple food sources. We're just, we're eating from one food source and all these different things. Like our life has just changed so, so much. And a lot of our listeners, again, their lives have changed so, so much. What, what would you, with your expertise, ex uh, expertise, actually recommend people pay the most attention to when it comes to having the objective of living a long fulfilled life what's what's most important for us to go hey i need to do something about this i mean it's it's super hard to attribute um importance allocations ah. to, to to but i think but i think um based on how I came back from the experience, what I saw most tangibly was a lack of community, particularly within this modern day and age and, and of, of social media and, and, and Zoom calls. You know, this is brilliant in that it's enabling us to chat across the globe, right? But when it's used as a um, replacement for in-person interaction or when we send a text, it's very, we react neurologically very different to when we make a phone call or see someone face-to-face. -face. It makes a significant um, difference in our neurochemistry and then in the, in the flood of emotions that we experience and, and um, biology that we then express. So I think um, community is, is, is really key. And it's not so much about 
having 2,000 people on Facebook who, who are your tick friends, right? It's about having meaningful connections with, realistically, you only need a handful of really meaningful connections, regular meaningful connections in your life to, to really tick this community box. But in this day and age, we don't achieve that. We work with people, we get frustrated with people we work with, we feel isolated from them. And often uh, when we feel upset rather than talking to someone, we go to our phone and we express it through our phone. Um, or, or, you know, it, it's a very different experience in the blue zones, in these communities. It's, it's very, um, I guess, nurturing in that sense. And it's very, in it, everything is, is tangible in person. You know, mm. it's, um, it, there are habits in place, community rituals, community expectations um, that have built into them inherently well-being you know it. it's like um yoshiko the the lady who i was hanging out with in in okinawa the 93 year old who's very funny she sings for three or four times a week she teaches kindergarten she grows her own food she looks after some of her neighbors um you know she, she's a big pillar of the community she hosts her own radio show and podcast like it's it's crazy she's 93 years old you know so so her days, her schedule is, is busy, you know, but within that, she finds her movement. You know, she's walking up and down stairs all the time. You know, she's, she's, when she's singing, she's standing up, she's hopping up and down. Um, when she goes to karaoke, when she goes to the community meetings, she's ticking off that community box. Um, when uh, her mindset is obviously clearly uh, going to be very positive um, and resilient uh, with that sort of a schedule. And obviously, um, so and her nutrition is also very good as well because she comes from Okinawa and there is a community, um, I guess, uh, expectation that, that you eat lots of, of whole foods, a lot from the ocean, lots of seaweed and stuff like that. So there are a myriad of examples that I... Um, like that, that I got to experience and see firsthand, where in these people's lives, well-being is just inherent. They're not actively going, hey, oh, I haven't propped up my community pillar today. I'm going to go and walk down the street and have a chat <laughs> with people. They just do it. It's just part mm. of their life, you know. Mm. So, the more, the, the easier we can make it to um, adhere to these very basic and very important fundamentals, the longer we're going to live and the more well we're going to live. So incredible. So you got a chance to go and visit these blue zones. However, now you do not live in a blue in a blue zone. You you know are back in this community that you're in in Australia, and it's like within this, what are the habits or the rituals that you've created? So you have a basic fundamental, um, I guess, framework for health and longevity. Now that you have all the knowledge that you have, how have you just put in the framework so they're not in boxes that you have to tick every day? You know, things like, you know, again, the community, the health, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I look at you and I'm like, oh, well, this is a guy that's probably got a, a huge network and probably is very, very busy and probably doesn't get a lot of one-on-one -on -one time. Like these types of things, these are just assumptions that I make um, that could be very far from the truth. But how do you create a framework for longevity in your life when you don't live in a place that inherently has that framework? The power is in daily rituals. <clears throat> Daily rituals, you put those in place, you don't have to think about it. Habits, if we want to call them habits. Um, for us, it was moving 
uh, house. So we lived in a place where um, we were one suburb over from most of our friends. And, you know, we'd just moved to Sydney. So being that one suburb over, it's this extra disconnect that was, you know, it was it was definitely having an impact on how often we saw people, how, how familiar we were with them. So it was like, okay, we're going to move. So we moved into the community right in the center of, of the community up in um, where I live, where we can walk everywhere. So all of a sudden we're walking everywhere, which means we're bouncing, um, we're bumping into people left, right, and center uh, down the street. So and then what happens? Then we spark up a conversation, and all of a sudden you see just on your way to the organic store five people who are part of your community who you have a really meaningful interaction with that make you feel even better. Um, and we're also, what are we getting? We're walking there. We're walking everywhere. We're 150 meters from the beach, from the surf beach. So walking everywhere. So I'm getting movement in. I'm obviously surfing. I'm also seeing people out in the surf regularly, the same faces all the time. So we're having conversations out there. Um, so your nutrition's um, being looked after because uh, we have farmer's markets. We have an organic store. You know, <clears throat> that's pretty That's pretty easy for me at this point. Um, that, again, that becomes a habit. Once we, we feed our microbiome, our microbiome will crave those foods after a time uh, which helps us then stay on track um, community where we're getting that because we're surrounded by people we're walking everywhere we're embedded in the town movement we're getting that again because we're walking everywhere because we're surfing every single day and the mindset that comes out of that um, is you know that had to change quite a lot because I went I was I was so busy you know, I was I was making that film. You know, almost broke me, like financially, socially. <laughs> like it was it was an incredibly stressful experience because we did so well with the gut movie. It was like, do do I just pocket that money and save it or whatever? I do I put it to another film. So we invested it in another film. Um, you know, so, so it was a, quite a stressful experience spending you know upwards of whatever it was, close to two hundred thousand dollars on the on the second film. Um, so so that was like, okay, why am I doing this? Do, do I need to do this? So it was. It was stepping back and sort of what happened was in in regards to the mindset um it was slowing down a lot you know and and taking pause and finding moments throughout the day that were previously annoying and using them as anchors to come back and take a breath and if you look at how the people in these blue zones live they don't meditate every day but they live very meditatively they're very conscious, they're very considerate, they're very calm um, and they take that considered approach and they apply it to all these different areas of life and I think it really anchors them and guides them through in a very healthy way. Beautiful. No, I love it. I mean, and that's what, that's the goal, man. That's the, at least that's the goal for me. You know, like uh, live, live close to your friends and 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 see them often and and be able to walk to the place where you get your food and be able to walk to the place where you get your exercise and these different types of things and or, or bike or, or something like that you know like and it's i mean what's the goal the goal is happiness right what's linked to happiness the most health health you know and community and these different types of things so you know i think it's of the utmost importance and, and again i applaud you for the work you do so i have to ask you when is the next film coming? Is there a next film coming? What's going on, Kale? 
Uh, well, part part of the <clears throat> resolutions that came out of all this was to never self fund another uh, film again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that is something we'll we'll rely on. Um, perhaps the the government forcing is they're dishing out money as compensation for um, house arrest. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll 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 start working on that. We're working on a TV series at the moment, turning my wow. kids' gut health book into an animated series. So going a fictional sort of. Um, Fictional enterprise, which would be really fun, and then there's a whole slew of other projects that are sort of just sitting there waiting for the right situation to brew. Incredible, incredible! And in the meantime, you're hitting you're hitting every surf break that you possibly can. Yeah, I am, and just chucking it all on YouTube. <laughs> of course, of course, of course, of course. So, uh, thank you so much for your time, Kale. I really, really appreciate it. I think it's very educational for absolutely everybody involved, and uh, including me. And and it's always great to hear this right from um, from the horse's mouth, and and to reiterate these things and remind ourselves of these things, even if we don't, um, you know, even if we know them, you know, to to really double down and and you know, can we take information and make it knowledge through the power of conversation? And that's really the goal here. And I think that's something we've definitely, definitely achieved. So, Kale, thank you for your time, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's been nice to just have a have a conversation, hasn't it? Like just to just to chew the fat and, and get this stuff out there. I mean, again, people might disagree with us and they might whatever, but as long as we can have these conversations and still make it constructive, I think we've we've won the day. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So where would you like to direct people? Where we'll we'll put all the links in the bio on the web page. We'll put every, every we'll, we'll link the fuck out of everything. But where <laughs> would you like to uh, particularly send people if they'd like to get in contact with you or consume some of your content? Where do we point people? Uh, look, I'm I mean I'm on all on socials at Kale's Broccoli. Um, the longevity film is on iTunes. The gut movies on Vimeo or Gaia um it, you, they can watch it anywhere so it, yeah it, i mean just there it's fine it, well, perhaps we'll bump into each other in person one day and um and have a meaningful interaction there as I'd opposed to that. over the phone <laughs> i'd love that i love that listen i got uh we got some mutual friends i gotta get my butt over to australia asap here yeah <laughs> absolutely so gail uh, Kale, thank you so much for the time and uh we'll make sure to send everybody your way and i'm looking forward to the next book fictional whatever piece <laughs> of creative uh endeavor you you go on i know it'll be great thanks brother all right thanks kale not bad at all i know it is not bad at all kale thank you again for your time guys i cannot stress again going out and checking and purchasing and supporting an independent filmmaker um again the uh the gut movie and the longevity film two incredible films um uh documentaries that i've watched myself and and I think that those messages are something that's going to help us in, in, in every aspect of our life. Um, yeah, these things to be super scientific and, and hard to get into, but we just need to break down the stigma of taking care of yourself, watching what you put in your body, and, and how that's going to affect the quality of your life and the quality of the lives of the people around you, which is the most important thing. So if you guys do go and, and, and rent or download um, or buy the uh, either one of the films, please do holler at me. Let's have a conversation. Uh, you can just get at my DMs or, um, or shoot me an email. Uh, my contact is everywhere. So I'd love to continue the conversation, try to break down that stigma because, again, there's nothing uncool about taking care of your health. And, um, yeah, sure, um, it, it can be a little bit awkward at first. You know, okay, uh, how's my microbiome doing? Well, you got to turn around, look at your poo. You know, like, all right, cool. 
but we need to break the stigma down around these things because it's going to increase the, the the quality of our lives and that is the most important thing so thank you kale for spreading that message and uh, we'll do what we can to spread that same message as well until next week everyone i hope you have an incredible week i hope you stay healthy happy and uh and work on your longevity and continue to build the habits and the rituals to live a long and healthy life that's what it's all about peace love and i'll see you guys next week